Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. The title of my message today is Hosting the Presence by Becoming a True Worshipper. Now, I want to help you with that because even though we're talking about the presence of God, uh, we're talking about uh, singing to God, worship God, a lot of people don't understand that. They don't understand first what is worship. They also don't understand why we worship and even like how we do it. But let me introduce first Psalm 22 verse 3 that says, yet you are holy. Now we explained the word holy in the past. Holy is that word that places God above any other category, race, ethnicity, or qualification, or adjective a man can find. God is good, but He's above good. God is great, but He's greater than great. God is mm, holy. So I couldn't find a word. So God is so unique that He is He's holy. That's the expression holy means. He's set apart. He's different than anything. He's uncategorized. He can't be placed in any categories of our qualifications. He's enthroned, the Bible says. He's enthroned on the praises. Some other version says that he dwells in the praises. He feels at home. God feels welcomed. God feels at home when there are praises in that place. And that's why I want us as a church to be the house of God. The place where God feels at home. He yields himself to us and brings his presence over our church. That's why I invite you right now to close your eyes, bow your heads. Let's pray for revelation as we become true worshipers. Father, we want to know you, God. We want to learn what beats in your heart, God. We want to tune our expectations, desires with your heart, God. Anything else matters but what goes into your mind. Father, here we are today. Reveal your person, your glory to us. Turn us into this worshiper that you're looking for. We pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Amen. So let me start with that. Like, let's define this important, let's answer these three important questions. What is worship? Why do we worship God? And how we do it. The best text to go is John chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus is talking with a woman that were clueless about any religious practice but she had a craving she had a desire for God she didn't know how to define that hunger but she wanted to know God and find meaning and that's in this conversation Jesus talking to her says the hour is coming and now is here verse 23 when the true worshiper will worship the father in his spirit and truth it deserves a, a thought here. If Jesus says that there are true worshipers, it implies there are fake worshipers, right? There are false worshipers. I don't want to be this group, right? I want to I be those that worship God in spirit and truth. Amen. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. So God is not after the best communicator. The rich, the poor, the black and white. God is not looking for even music. God is looking for people. For true worshiper. 
Not necessarily the worship. He's after you. Ultimately, he's after our hearts. Are you guys with me? Anybody home here, guys? In the text, continue verse 24. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in a spirit and truth. What is worship, Pastor? Worship is to give full devotion. It is you give God your undivided attention. Worship means that you venerate God above anything else, anyone else, everything else. When we react with excitement and amazement towards someone or something, if we value or count worth anything, then somehow we are practicing worship. So my question is, what are we worshiping during our weekdays? What do we venerate and give mind and heart during our business days? What are the subjects, the topics, the conversation themes that comes out of our mouth? And somehow this gives us the clue of what we give heart, we give attention, we venerate. In other words, worship is more an act of the heart than the lips. And this is important to say because there are people that insist that worship is all about singing or performing in the context of church building. Jesus correcting the religious folks, he says in Matthew chapter 15, these people honors me with their lips. In other words, they are saying the right things, they are teaching the right doctrines, but their heart is far from me. And the result of that is that their worship is vain. What the Bible says? In vain do they worship me. Like there is no content. It's hollow. It's empty of meaning. In other words, let God deliver us. May God deliver us to be a church with lips empty of heart. I want to be a pastor of a church that praises God, yes, with the lips of songs and music and melody, but that contains genuine worship hearts. Are you guys with me, guys? So what kind of worship expressions as a church we're going to give God? Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times, no matter if it's fall, winter, Summer or spring, at all times, I will praise him. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Well, yes, I have reasons in the jam traffic to complain, but I decide, I chose to praise him. Well, I know that, you know, maybe I got in the, in the wrong moment inside of my boss's room. He was very bossy and... I will not complain. I will choose to praise God at all times. I know I have this terrible teacher picking on me, and you know, but I will choose to praise God continually. Psalm 84, verse 2, my soul longs. Yes, I don't want to keep just the, the discipline of praises, but my very soul desires, faints for the courts of the Lord. They are secret places. Of the intimacy of God that I want to get into. And there in that safe, sacred, holy place. My heart and my flesh will sing for joy to the living God. 
that place where uh, I'll find the solution, the answer for the questions that my spouse, my kids are asking me in, in the context of our financial circumstance that is struggling and I don't have an answer to give them and I'm just under depression and anxiety, I'll hide myself into the inner courts of worship. And there, in that place, I'll find the proper answers. Look, I'm not speaking just to encourage you. I was uh, in a year and a half uh, in the city here in the United States. We recently moved uh, to plant a church. Things were not going well. We didn't have all the means we used to have previously, financially speaking. And as you know, good wife, worry for the family, my wife was asking for solutions, answers for how we're going to do with the kids' health, like how we're going to do with our safety, uh, save savings account, like how, what we're going to do, and I had no answer. Literally, I had nothing to answer. There was one, I remember one evening specific that her questions were like waves, honest and genuine questions of a worried mother, and I start to cry. He said, I don't have an answer. But I have a God that answers everything. Yeah. Just give me a few hours and of worship. And I know there in the courts of the Lord, He will answer my questions. And I will leave that place with, sing, with songs of joy. Psalm 100 verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. So yes, worship has to do with heart more than lips. But we should never ignore the lips aspect that includes music. So we intentionally prepared this series so we as a church can get to that place. That we practice together. Worship coming out of the spirit and truth. And, and, and turns us True worshipers that the Father is pleased to manifest His, to His glorious presence. Okay, Pastor, I got that. But why on earth we do it? Like, why should we actually worship God? Does God suffer some sort of personality disorder that He needs affirmation over and over again? Like, what in the world? Why we do that? Because we are created for it. Because you try to fulfill your sense of purpose and existence with motherhood with parenthood with business academic formation whatever it is but still there is this this uh, emptiness this this hole inside of you craving for God's presence and something that inside of you uh, uh, invites you to this presence let me prove that to you revelation 4 11 worthy are you our Lord and God to receive glory and to an honor and power through words that could see, be summarizing receive worship. Right? That, that's, these three words actually are very nice pinnacles that sustains what worship is all about. I'm giving all glory, all honor, all power. I give worship to my God. And there I do that because you created all things. And by your will they exist and were Created, including myself. Like I worship. Why do I worship? Because I was created for that reason. Prophet Isaiah chapter 43. God saying, the people whom I formed myself, 
that they might declare my praise. So in, again, we were built in a, we were hardwired in a way that we, we only feel totally satisfied, pleased, whole as a person, as individual, if you get to that place of worship. Let me prove a little more for you guys. First Peter chapter 2. I love this verse. One of my favorites. You are a chosen race. Yes, we are a chosen race. That, that's who we are. God chose us out of all the other people in the world. We were handpicked. We were chosen by God. And God in His choice made you and I priests. We represent God on earth. We actually mediate the relationship. We are here to be priests. But not any kind of priests. We are part of the royal priests. We are from the, again, we have access to the courts of the king. We are royal priesthood. Not only that, we are a set apart, different. Again, different than everybody else. We are a holy nation. We are a people for the exclusive praises and glory to God. We are a people for his own possession that we may, we are all this. Why? So we may proclaim, we may sing, we may worship him. Who call us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Worship is a privilege that even angels cannot totally experience. Because there's one aspect of worship that comes out of our hearts. That comes out of our redemption experience. Angels were not redeemed. Angels were never saved or know the definition of grace. But you know. You were brought out of darkness into His marvelous light. So you can worship. We can worship God genuinely. So how we do it, Pastor? I got, I got that as a Christian, I should worship God. I, I got that worship God is veneration, adoration, full devotion, undivided attention. I got that and I know also that something inside of me was calling me, inviting me to this experience, but I don't know how to do it. Actually, when I see you crazy people worshiping, I get awkward around you guys. I, I feel I don't know how to do it, you know. I start just to look up, you know, up to the ceiling, or sometimes I close my eyes just because I don't want to feel awkward because I don't know how to do it. You do it in awe. You do it in amazement. Now, let me, let me first align things here because we take it for granted. We think that worship is something that everybody can do it, but it is not. Worship is a privilege of those born of the Spirit. Remember John chapter 4, Jesus says, The Father is looking the worshiper that, spirit, that is worship Him in spirit and truth. So it's only those born of the Spirit, born again. They were regenerated. They were made anew. Their nature is compatible with the nature of God. Okay, let me prove that to you because maybe you don't, don't get this. Because unless you don't see yourself compatible with the nature of God, worship is going to be very awkward for you. Look at this text says. Uh, first, let me prove this to you guys. That is not everybody that worship. Psalm 150, last Psalm, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I like that because it says that praises is for every creature, trees, dogs, you, and unbelievers, ungenerated people. Everybody can praise the Lord. But worship, intimacy, 
is only for the children. It's only for the family. Okay, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7. It says, the angels, of the angels he says, he makes his angels wings and his worshipers, his ministers, a flame of fire. Say, I am a flame of fire. Which is awesome. You are a flame of fire. That's why you like to dance when worship goes on. Because fire, you see, it's not steady. Right? Fire moves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seriously. Like there's something that gets inside of you and say, I have to do something with my hands right now. I don't know why. I have to say or move my, at least step my feet. I, I, something is moving inside of you. Because you are a flame of fire. Let me give you good news. It's not only you that is fire. Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, let us be grateful. Yes, thanksgiving is always the entry door for worship. You, you are aware of the goodness of God, His grace, His favor. He placed you with these amazing people. God is protecting you. He saved you. Thank you, Jesus. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus... Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. How do we worship? With reverence and awe. Verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. So when the flame of fire, anybody home, get close to the consuming fire, my friend, you can't hold yourself. You will worship. You're not going to burn. You're just going to increase the fire. You're just going to make the fire even more powerful, right? Glorious. And that's what God is inviting us. And how we do it, verse 28 again, we do it in reverence and awe. This week, a sister was trying to describe her experience on traveling to Colorado in the fall. And she was trying with all the limited words that she could find. And, you know, as a Latino woman, she was using her hands a lot to communicate more than words. And her, you know, her eyesight was also trying to transmit all the colors that she saw in Colorado in the fall. And I, in the end of the day, she was in amazement. She was in awe to the beauty she gazed and, you know, beheld be there in Colorado. And that was, that's what I mean about reverence and awe. When we behold God's presence in worship, this amazing image that sometimes the lyrics, the harmony of the song brings us to even portray it in our minds. Believe me, it's forming you an image as well. One of the psalmists actually says that everyone that worships something becomes like the object that they worship. That's not by chance that people that love their dogs eventually becomes, you make your own conclusion. So the point is, people that worship something becomes like the object, the idol they worship. And that's why when we are worshiping God, His likeness, His images, His countenance is shaping, forming us back. In areas, in our, in our habits, in our characters that we struggle so much and we try all self-help book possible. It's still bad, but because I'm worshiping, it's being transformed. I'm being delivered. Chains are being broken just because I am in awe. I am in amazement. I'm beholding the presence of God. Trenton just opened the service with this verse in 2 Corinthians. 
That as we gaze, as we behold the, the image of God, we see His glorious presence. His image is embedded, grafted, imprinted in us. And in areas that discipleship, mentorship, psychology could not help you in nothing, you are being delivered from. Are guys with me? Anybody experience this? Some, like close to this? I, I, that's, that's what I see myself. I want you to understand that worship happens in amazement, in reverence, awe. How do we worship God? We worship God on our knees. We get to our knees. We, we bow before God so He can be exalted. Psalm 95 verse 6. So come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. I, I decrease. I bow myself down. Like John said, John the Baptist said, I decrease so He must increase i go lower so only christ be magnified it's not about me it's not about the songs not about my feelings open parenthesis here we are so much feel oriented generation if i don't feel it i will not do it so keep them it like you're gonna just get yourself where you are and that's where a lot of churches get stuck and in this plateau, in this lit of growth and experience because they are waiting to feel it. No, no, no. We obey first and the feeling will follow it. So let's just like kneel before God. And honestly, this Christian expression of kneeling before God, it's, it's very, uh, it might be awkward for you. It's not for me, but uh, it's, it's, it's an expression of surrendering, Amen. right? I say, God, you increase you grow you be magnified i will decrease i will disappear i don't i like my circumstances so tiny and easy for you to resolve i'm here presenting everything to you because you are great you can do it god we should bring back this practice how do we worship we worship shamelessly and I, and I specifically use the word shamelessly because that was the word that David's wife, Michal, she used when David got wild, passionate, radical in worshiping God when he had the chance to bring the presence of God close to his house. David was so excited. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 6 that David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Like he was just wild. Just so joyful before the presence of God. So his wife says, this is such a, like, a shame thing to do as a king. Why are you doing that? And I like what David answered her. It is before the Lord, verse 21. Who chose me before your father and above all his house. To appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. God chose me. I don't know why. I, I, don't, I don't make theology about it. I just celebrate His grace. His sovereign grace. His limitless love. He chose me. So I will celebrate before the Lord. And I will make, verse 22... 
and I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. If you saw that girl, you didn't see anything yet. I will be wild before God. I will raise my hands. I will dance. I will, I will be a flame of fire. Okay, some of you guys are beginners. And just mention about the possibility of you raising your hands is already like so much challenge. Let me read this verse for you guys. Psalm 141 verse 2. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you. And the lifting up of my hands as an evening sacrifice. So beginners, start with that. Honestly, I want you guys... To make a test. That, like this series is one of the most practical series we could preach in this church. Like you should try it out. We're going to sing. We're going to worship at the end of this service. Why don't you try just raise your hands during the song. See if something happens. Right? See if you sing differently. Just check it out. If you raise up your hands, something happens in your heart together. See if, you know, some stirring, some warmness come up there. Check it out. See if it, maybe you even dare again to tap your feet alongside. You never know what's going to happen. But I want you to lose it a little bit. And I like, I like the raising of hands again because it's very meaningful, right? When, when teams score in the game, when the racer cross the finish line, what usually they do? They just raise their hands as victory expression, right? But also raising hands, like we said before, is an expression of surrendering. It's an expression of yielding to the greater power coming upon you. Maybe you are being arrested and what do you do? You raise your hands. Like I, I surrender, right? That's, that's your expression. Which is beautiful image because honestly, that's how we fight our battles. Yeah. Right? We fight our battles. We got our victory as we surrender. And, and worship Again, has these physical expressions that I want to invite you to dare to experience it. How do we worship? We worship passionately. We worship not expecting to feel, but we worship and then we feel it. Then our hearts burn. First John chapter 4, verse 15. Keep it there for me. Long time I learned a definition of worship. Somebody told me that while praises is all about what God has done in my life, worship is all about what God is. I'm going to repeat that because I believe that is true. If praises is for what God has done and is doing in my life, I will worship God only for what He is. I just want to worship and, and magnify him and venerate him and be devoted to him because of him nothing else even if he doesn't bless me the way i had planned or i expected i will worship him for what he is and this is a point because the worship problem in many people life many people's lives is because they don't have a right definition of god they don't know what god is or who god is but we open in 1 John and everybody that expects to read something from John know already what John is going to talk about God, right? He says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. And he in God. 16. 
We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Everybody say after me. Say, God, God is, is love. love. That's the definition of God. Okay, it, it obvious. It begs the question, what is love? Because inevitably, like, you're going to relate love to I love ice cream. I love my wife. No, no, no. This is, like, totally selfless, uh, not expecting back payment. It, it's the totally perfect love. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Oh, if we will have our eyes open to see the great forgiveness we received. If grace of God, his love for us, would be so tangible and revealed, it would be impossible to hold this church. We will be the craziest, wildest, passionate worshipers in town. So what we need is to grow in that revelation. And two stories come to mind as well because, because those women understood what God is in the person of Christ Jesus. They could not hold themselves. They worshiped Jesus radically, extravagantly, like they were above everything you could even expect. The first story most of you guys know. Jesus is sitting in a, a, a table full of religious people, you know, with their self-righteousness and their sense of justice. That they were good. They were sanctimonious, holier than thou. They were just like comparing themselves and feeling good about their self-righteousness. And out of nowhere, this former broken woman that found Jesus' love so present she couldn't hold herself she came in the back because Jesus was sitting on the ground and start to cry in love and passion and as her tears were washing Jesus feet she started to dry Jesus feet with her own hair and the and the scene is very embarrassing it's making everybody awkward and obvious you know maybe uh, the religious people they try to push the girl out of the room and they start to wonder in their hearts about their self-righteousness when Jesus come and bring their story. Luke chapter 7, 41. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, about a year and a half of salary. Just make the calculation in your mind. The other 50, about two months of salary. Okay, I, I got Jesus. This is me. Like, I owe God a debt that I cannot pay myself. I got that, Jesus. Like, I, the, the, the salary of sin, I will never be able to pay it. The only way to pay is dying. And, and I know I don't want to die. And I don't want to go to hell. I know I cannot pay my debt. Verse 42. When they could not pay. Here I am. I cannot pay. Do you? He canceled the debt of both. Praise Jesus. Thank you, God. I, my debt is forgiven. It's clean up. I have a clean slate. My debt is canceled. Thank you, Jesus. Now, which of them will love him more? 
the answer is implied, is the one that feels more forgiven. Therefore, verse 47, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. She was not in the table of the religious folks comparing themselves and feeling good that they were not even sinners. They were not broken as her. And they were full of self-righteousness. But in the end of the day, they were terribly broken. But they were not even aware of that. And that's why they could not praise, worship, and love Jesus back. Only those that understood the measure of grace, because they know the measure of their own sins, can genuinely worship God. And if you are still maybe holding yourself, maybe it's because you have a self-righteousness problem that needs to be fixed. Keep coming. We're going to preach to you some grace. Keep showing up in your life group. Because relationship, we're going to reveal how bad you are. I'm sorry, how, you know, how need you have of. That, that's the truth to be said, guys. Like we feel, sometimes we, we put it under the rug, our reality. But uh, unless we take it off the rug and discurtain dis all the reality, we will not be able to passionately worship God. Keep saying, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Who actually is forgiven little? I am much, a lot, big, forgiven. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Another story comes to mind. This time, the character has a name. It's Mary, Martha's sister. She breaks the protocol. They scraped off the dinner. She's not helping her sister. She's only worshiping Jesus. But in a very extravagant way, she breaks this little vessel of perfume. The smell fills the entire house. And the disciples, the guests, they start to feel awkward as well with that scene. Because now, she's not only cleaning Jesus with this very expensive perfume, she's also cleaning with her hair. Uh, the disciples bring a statement that is very typical of non-worshippers. They don't get you. Don't expect your unbeliever parents. Don't expect your ungenerated unge uh, spouse to compliment you because you are coming to church. Or because you are wasting your time, money, energy, youth in worship. They will never understand. Because they don't experience what you experience. Let me close this message. And I want to close inviting you for this experience. I want you first see the dimensions, the measureless love of God. Would you guys please stand up? And as we're getting ready for the next few minutes to spend our time in true worship. I want to read these final verses with you guys. Just follow up in the screen. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Why do I worship? I worship because I was created to worship. I worship because I was redeemed. And I was brought out of darkness into His marvelous light. I can't hold myself. 
I worship because he loved me first. Maybe someone is watching us. Maybe someone is visiting us. And we're wondering about that. There's love for you today. And before we jump into a worship experience, I want to first invite you to give your heart to Christ. Because tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. The text continues, verse 38. Death, life, angels, rulers, things in the present, things to come. Even powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus.